Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Chloe. And I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about chapter six of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Hello, hello, hello. I would like to start with a question. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my friend and I were having this discussion and she says that I have a very positive outlook and she sometimes thinks it's a little bit too positive (laughs) because she needs the darkness sometimes. She's like, sometimes I just need you to be like, yeah, it's shit. Whereas I'm not the kind of person that will do that. I'm like, yeah, okay, it is shit, but everything happens for a reason. This has happened because of this. Does she listen to this podcast? Because I don't think that characterises you on this podcast at all. I know! (laughs) Here at What The Forks, you're the one who goes, it's shit and there's nothing else to say. But with life, there is always something to look forward to. Okay. What's your question? Do you think I'm too positive? Because what I was thinking, me and you had a conversation the other day, we were sending voice notes to each other, and I was like, oh, work's a bit, like, it's stressing me out a bit, and I'm a bit worried about it. And you were very positive, and you were like, it is crap, but this is, you know, what's going to happen. And I was like, that's what I do to people as well. Like, we're very similar. I think my biggest pet peeve is that I just don't like having my time wasted, and to worry (laughs) about things that can't be changed wastes time. Once something's already happened, once, you know, you've broken that, well, it's broken now. Why stress about that now? It's upsetting, and it's rubbish. Whereas if something is in a precarious position about to break do something that, you know, that's fair enough. But I I just have the ideology of like, yeah, things can be shitty, but there's always something good coming out of it. And I think for her, she's like, I just want to revel in the disaster of it all. I just want to revel. But she's all right going along thinking things are shit, whereas I cannot live my life like that. (laughs) I think I would combust. I don't think you can be too positive. Well, (laughs) I think you can. If you're positive in the mornings, there's something wrong with you. It's sometimes the most positive time of day for me, actually. (laughs) You just wake up. There's all this hope. The day is just an unhatched egg waiting to, oh, no. I don't know, burst into being. And then you actually <laughs> get up out of bed and you go, oh, no, everything's still shit. <laughs> I think you're fine. I think at the moment you can't be too positive. As long as your positivity isn't leading you to be stupid. No. <laughs> this week I allowed my husband to do something that I swore I would never have any part of. Oh, no. But, you know, lockdown continues and people become bored and desperate and we find ourselves down avenues we otherwise might not have frequented. My husband has created an Instagram account for our spaniel. Oh, yeah. So how come you gave in? Because I asked him the same question. Because he just looked so sad when he asked again and I said no. (laughs) And then I thought, it's lockdown. Also, it's his dog too. I have a big problem with pets having their own social media accounts. They don't have thumbs. (laughs) Keanu can't hold a phone. He doesn't know 
that he is on social media. He just knows that he has to learn to pose for photos more often than <laughs> he otherwise would have. He's a very, very, I think, uncommonly attractive dog. <laughs> and so, yes, this dog should be shared with the world, but I don't see why it can't just be on our accounts. The rule, number one rule, really, is that no posts are to be made in the first person. I get it, they're cute, they're entertaining, but this is where I'm going to lose friends on this, but Instagram posts made from the perspective of a pet, particularly with words spelt wrong in a humorous way, I don't know where this collective assumed knowledge has come from that if dogs could type, that they would be bad at spelling. I'm sorry, I just don't find poor spelling funny. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing chapter six, scary stories. <laughs> the truck is returned. She stole his keys, and he's like, "When is my truck going to be returned? Is it ever?" Um, the truck is returned. We assume by Archie, but never assume because you don't know. So the next day at school, which is a Friday. It's Friday the 11th of March, 2005. Thank you so much. Bo and Jeremy have a meaningless conversation, but the gang get all the plans together for La Push for the next day, which is a Saturday. The gang go to La Push and we have some beautiful descriptions of the beaches. Bo and a few others go for a small hike to see the tide pools, and when he returns to the beach, we meet Julie, the female Jacob. We have a female Sam in the group already, and she says the famous line, the Cullens don't come here when Logan tries to humiliate Bo by asking if he invited Edith. Because Logan's made it really awkward, Jules and Bo go for a nice little walk on the seafront, and they have the conversation about the legends of the Quileute people, how they descended from wolves, and the wolves are their sisters still. <sighs> I love it so much! Julie's great-grandmother was the tribal leader. Jules explains about the treaty and how the pack of vampires were different from what the tribe were previously aware of, how they only fed on animals. Jules says the Cullens are these very same vampires. And the chapter ends with Bo being all confused in the back of the car. The nights I've spent confused in the back of a car. That's most of my Uber rides, to be honest. <laughs> love this chapter yeah me too it's really really good yeah I, well it's only good when julie arrives okay discuss i don't have a lot to say about the school kind of part of this chapter because it's dull but just logan the characterization of logan i just it's so annoying because last episode i was like oh i really appreciate that there's no hostility he's just there he's not you know anything and then the minute you enter this chapter he is bullying Bo, he's pretending to faint, he's not saying nice things, and it's all just a device so we can get Bo to go to the tide pools and not go with Logan at the beach. I don't have a problem with Logan being an asshole because we have the same feelings about Lauren. Why did Lauren hate Bella? Because she was new and she was getting all the boys' attention. Yeah. Which is a very basic kind of way to make two women hate each other. But you tell me, is it realistic? I mean, there might be some. <laughs> <laughs> With Lauren, I felt like I knew why she was bitter towards Bella. Mm. I understood her. She was being mean, sure, 
but it had something behind it. With Logan, he seems to be a mindless bully, and I think we're getting a repetition of this theme of the boys are basically the same as the girls, but with less essential character, less motivation, less less to them, just less. Yes, exactly. I think with Lauren, it was all of a sudden Lauren is this character and she hates Bella, but we get a reason for why. Whereas with Logan, suddenly we get this character, he hates Bo. I don't understand why. I can only assume it's because he's so tall. Yeah. (laughs) He's just so tall. And Logan isn't, apparently, because Sam is taller than Logan. Ooh, a lady taller than Logan. Ooh. No wonder he's acting like a dick. What's interesting is that Logan actually does a lot more. Yes, than Lauren did. I have a theory that Logan is essentially a Draco Malfoy ripoff. I think when he was first introduced last chapter, there was something about him running his hands through his long blonde, or like his slicked back blonde hair. I think it's described as silver at some point. Ooh, really? Okay. So very, very Draco Malfoy. Yeah. But then in this chapter, the first thing he does is pretend to faint. Which for me was very reminiscent. Of course. Yeah, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Where Draco Malfoy, one of the main things he does is pretend to faint off his broom like Harry did at the sight of a Dementor. Yeah, it struck me. This guy who seems to be a douchebag for no reason. He's got slicked back blonde hair and he's trying to poke fun constantly at our poor brunette protagonist. I just think, like, again, it's just such toxic masculinity. Also, is it Stephanie Meyer saying, like, oh, how Bo is different? You know, he's not a typical boy. He wants to avoid confrontation. No, sane people want to avoid confrontation. I don't want to get in a fight, but I will if I have to. (laughs) So, yeah, the beautiful descriptions of the beach, I gave her that. That, as you may recall, was one of my favourite parts of Twilight. I thought it was beautiful the way that Bella described the beach. Bella's description is a little bit better. I did go back and read it, but I still love this. Islands rose out of the steel harbour waters with sheer cliff sides, each with a spiky crown of black firs. Yeah, I, I can appreciate it. And then, yeah, so they go to the tide pools and then they come back and Julie's there. This, for me, is where the chapter starts. Kind of. Because in all fairness, we didn't need any of the first bit. Um, So yeah, Julie's father was called George, who sadly died in a car accident a few years ago. Did we get that from Jacob? Nothing at all. We get way more info on George. Than we ever did about Jacob's mum. We knew she had deceased. Yes, Did I know that Jacob's mum had died? Yeah. In Twilight, though. I'm sure we knew. I honestly don't know. I don't remember any talk of Billy's wife. But I like that we get more. We deserve more of a background for a character that, you know, does become quite a big part of the story. So Julie and Bo go on the seafront together because Bo wants to find out what Sam meant by that remark. There's just a line going... When she laughed, meaning Julie, it made me feel like I was funnier than I really was. Yet that's how we flirt with men. (laughs) (laughs) We make you feel that you're funnier than you actually are when we like you. (laughs) Also, I like Jules. I love her. She's so nice. She's so easygoing. I love that she still builds cars. Yes. I love that when Logan's being a dick, she doesn't take it and just smirks at him 
Okay, okay, so something I don't really remember properly from Twilight, and I've not been able to find it to look at it properly. Jacob is 15. Yeah. But looks older. Bella says that to him. That could have just been to flatter him. I thought it was just interesting that we don't get an exact age for Jules. No. But she's described as being 14 or 15. There's a big difference between 14 and 15. Oh, absolutely. And there's a big difference between 15 and 17. Yeah. Yeah, I thought her age was interesting that she looked very young. And Jacob, at least to his face, Jacob is described as looking older than his age. I suppose we can't really talk about Jules without talking about the nature of this interaction when they're walking. Bella's motivation for speaking to Jacob, she wanted to try to flirt with him because she could see that he fancied her and she's trying to get the information out of him. She's doing her research, trying to figure out what Edward is. We've got the same basic motivation for Beau. He doesn't flirt, though. He thinks about it. Exactly. The way he goes about everything is just ultimately more palatable. He just comes across as a nicer guy than Bella did. Bella makes the comparison as well. If she could hypnotise Jacob the way that Edward can hypnotise people with his beauty... And Beau references the same thing. Even if I knew how to do that burning thing that Edith did, this girl would probably just laugh at me. But then even he has perceived enough about Jules to know with Jules you would always be in on the joke. Yeah. There's a kindness where Bella was manipulating this young guy who had a crush on her. Yeah. Beau can see, because he's so hot and tall... (laughs) He says, oh, I was starting to recognise the look of a girl who liked me. He's not an idiot. He knows that he's fanciable. Anybody's fanciable. But he just ultimately is like, I wouldn't get away with that. Also, because we have this thing with Bella, with her trying to use her feminine charm to get the information out of Jacob, she is pushing for that information a lot more. Mm -hmm. When Jacob starts to reveal some information about the treaty, he says... I'm not supposed to tell anyone about that. And Bella responds with, oh, I won't tell anyone. I'm just curious. And she tries to make her smile alluring. Wildly different. We don't, Jules seems smarter than Jacob. Yes. He asks the question, what did Sam mean when she made that comment about the Cullens? And Jules just doesn't answer. Yeah. To the point where Bo apologises, say, oh, I didn't mean to be rude, recognising that he, as an outsider, is coming in and asking questions about her community and her history yeah. that maybe he has no right to ask. And so he apologises, he takes a step back. And she says that it's a secret and he holds his hands up, physically holds his hands up and says, forget I asked. And so it's completely Jules's choice to go ahead. And she says, well, I already blew it. And he says, I'm not going to tell anyone. They're being truly kind to each other. Yeah. Because even when Jules says, oh, well, I already blew the secret, Bo offers up. Well, I wouldn't say that you blew the secret. (laughs) Sam was being pretty intense back there, basically saying, like, the only reason I knew there was any kind of secret is because she made it so clear it's not your fault. There's this kindness. They're being respectful. There are boundaries being respected. And all of this is so important, especially when we've got a 17-year-old boy speaking to a 14, 15-year-old girl. There is a, a power differential there. Yeah, for sure. That takes some respect and i think it also helps that they have a past their fathers get on and stuff Mm -hmm. but i agree and then when she gets into the legends and stories in my head (laughs) i didn't realize we got all the answers in chapter six (laughs) 
It's pretty quick. Yeah, the vegetarian, they don't eat humans and they've been here forever and the Cullens are the vampires. Obviously, we're coming at it from, by this point, quite a studied perspective. <laughs> but actually, on a first read of Twilight, this is just a legend. I suppose, but I kind of thought maybe it is because it's so studied now in my brain. But after reading this chapter, I was like, well, why do you even need to do the fucking research? <laughs> You've got all the answers. But he doesn't know he does. But he does know he does. Does he? Yeah, because in the back of the car, he's like, fuck. <laughs> I suppose what would have made it more interesting is if there had been some things in the Quelly legends that were false. But they're all true. And kind of the point then is that they're all true. But yeah, he doesn't know. I really really love that the werewolves are women and that they are werewolves and the grandma of Jules was the tribal leader and Bonnie is still the tribal elder very wise woman it is fabulous it made it clear to me how rare it is for us to get that when it comes to werewolf mythology yes I did some research into it I discovered that they shouldn't really be called werewolves because werewolves are people that transform into wolves with the full moon, whereas lichens is the proper definitions for humans who transform into wolves at any time. Interesting. Okay. Um, and where women and where men are the same. Yeah, it's just it's just everywhere, isn't it? Like the classic films are the wolf man. Yes. I mean, I can't remember apart from being human when there's a female werewolf. Of course, I'm going to say there is one in Buffy. <laughs> one appears. There's one in Being Human and there's, okay, one in Buffy, but I, any more? Off the top of my head, I can't think of any other female werewolves from pop culture. Again, I'm sure our listeners will be able to. But... Yeah, no, please do. Like, I think it's a really interesting take on werewolves. Mm, and it would be nice to see more of it. Yeah. I mean, obviously Leah. Of course, <laughs> of course. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what makes this whole idea is so interesting and I, it really hit home when Jules is just explaining the wolves that turn into women like our ancestors the idea of sisters the wolves are our sisters Sisters, I love that and just thinking back to Breaking Dawn and all of the discussions we had around Leah who was such an underserved character Leah needed more maybe this is Leah getting more that all women are now werewolves she's not alone it's just great to see who run the world? Female werewolves. <laughs> Great chapter. My favourite so far. Love Jules. Yeah, love Jules. Got a lot of time for Jules. I really can't wait for Jules and Edith to be in a room alone together, really. I don't think it's going to happen. But a girl can dream. Good part. What's your favourite part of the chapter? I think it's probably going to be the same for both of us. It's probably pretty obvious now. The concept of a female wolf pack. Yes. You, you too. Of course. I just, I read it and I was like, yes! I was going to say just Jules's characterization. Yeah, yeah, I love Jules. She reminds me of so many sassy young girl characters, but without falling into any of the potholes of being like the overly precocious young kid. She comes across as humble and grounded and way cooler than Bo, way cooler than anyone around her. Yeah, she's just very self-assured and I love that. Love that in a woman. Yeah. yeah. No, a female pack. I just, because I don't really like werewolves. I find them a bit meh and you love them. But I'm like, if I had read this book from the get-go, if this had been the original Twilight and it was a female pack, I'd have been like, oh! It just allows our imagination to flourish with it. And I'm just, I just wish she'd done this. We're on chapter six, but unless it goes really, really downhill for the next 20 chapters and it could this is it could oh it could <laughs> it really like could. who knows 
but this is such a better book than Twilight. My worst part, thank you for asking, is, <laughs> uh, is uh, Logan's character development. I just, why do we need more toxic masculinity? I don't know. I could not come up with a worst part. What do you mean? I don't have one. You could live with this Logan character, could you? My worst part might be the suggestion that Jules fancies Bo. Because I don't think that the relationship between Bo and Jules needs to have romance to it no so yes if i have if you're going to make me say something i would say the suggestion of a romance between those two characters but it's not a very strong suggestion i was gonna say i didn't really get that no i suppose it's all Bo's perception he just perceives that so your worst part is a suggestion of something that isn't actually in the chapter well both of our best part is a suggestion of something that isn't actually in the chapter <laughs> touche <laughs> <laughs> but i don't really have a worst part, honestly. Um, I thought it was a great chapter. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. This is your segment. You came up with this segment. <laughs> you know what? There are rules. We can break them. Oh, my. So, I kind of stopped you talking earlier because I didn't want you to ruin my burning question. I'll let you talk now. But revisiting Leah and kind of what we discussed back in Breaking Dawn Eclipse, where, wherever Leah was present, we discussed her, her awesomeness. Because she was the best character. She was the best character, completely undermined by everybody, including Maya herself. But we... <laughs> So for the male werewolves, Jacob said that when they are shifting constantly, they do not age. They stay the same until they decide they are not going to shift anymore. But it's quite Mm -hmm. a hard decision to make to do that. Now, we Mm -hmm. said if Leah is staying in the same, does she still have periods? Is she aging? Can she still be pregnant? Well, it was textual, wasn't it, in Breaking Dawn that she couldn't. She had a crisis and all the men couldn't deal with this crisis because she wasn't menstruating anymore. And we didn't know if that was because she's a werewolf. Oh, right. And she didn't know that either, did she? She didn't know whether it was because of the werewolf thing or whether it was just her. Yeah, because how are you to know? Because she's the only female. So my question is, in this universe of life and death, do you think werewolves, who are now female, can get pregnant and can be pregnant and shapeshift? Oh, gosh. This is a proper fantasy question. Um, Yes. I'm... Oh, gosh. (laughs) What was so upsetting reading Leah's story was not the biological, put in big air quotes, facts. These aren't facts. (laughs) This is sci-fi fantasy we're talking about here. Uh, But it was not the fictional biology of this character that was so upsetting. What was upsetting was her reaction to it and this thing that we have in our culture that a woman who is unable to have children is somehow monstrous. And it sneaks in through a lot of our media. Recently on my superhero binge, I watched Avengers Age of Ultron. There's a very problematic conversation between Hulk and Black Widow because they are potentially getting into a romantic thing. That by itself is stupid, but not because it's problematic, just because it's stupid. Basically, the conversation distilled down is the Hulk going, how could I ever be with you? We could never be together. We could never have a family because I'm a monster. And she's like, when I was a Russian spy, they sterilized me. Now who's the monster? Wow. Because, of course, a woman who can't have kids is a monster. Yeah. And is somehow inhuman and 
it makes them cold. In a way like it did with Leah, that was all the men were like, well, that's her big problem is because she can't have her period and she can't have babies and that makes her this bitter, mean woman. In my head, maybe I'm thinking these women aren't having kids while they're werewolves. They do have that option eventually when they're no longer having to become werewolves, but there just isn't that angst because it's a perfectly normal, natural part of life. Then my head flipped into, well, was this whole conceit of halted fertility at the time of becoming a werewolf, was all that actually just really stupid and pointless? And yes. Was all that just a, kind of a bad idea to begin with? And yes. What's to stop a woman being a werewolf while pregnant and fighting while pregnant? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. There's nothing more natural than menstruating or being pregnant. And the werewolves are deemed as natural beings and spiritual and... Of the world, yeah. I'm going to say in this version of events, because we get to decide, because we are the readers and we have the power, yeah, there is no change to the normal monthly cycle and a female werewolf could choose to have or not have children as she sees fit. Yeah, I agree. Now, can Bo and Edith have a baby? Because the whole point that they could have a baby was that Bella was the human carrying the child. See, this is where, again, we run into that wall of, we're just going to swap the genders and it changes nothing. <laughs> it changes everything because the way this whole saga goes, the reason a vampire woman apparently can't have kids is because her body would not change um, and pregnancy is all about change. I personally hope that when we get to the fourth life and death novel that Bo and Edith have their honeymoon and into their honeymoon, Bo discovers that he is pregnant. <laughs> um, that's where I'm hoping we go. And he refuses to let Dr. Cullen get rid of the baby. <laughs> uh, he insists. That he will have this child. I also hope that Edith breaks the bed on their honeymoon. Thank you for joining us for Chapter 6 of Life and Death. Join us on Friday for Chapter 7, Nightmare. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast and you can rate, review and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care, stay at home. And remember, here on the world, female werewolves. <laughs>